In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The fourth Sunday of Lent, Year A. I once came across an article which featured a letter from a distraught Singaporean mother addressed to the Central Provident Fund, the CPF, Singapore's equivalent of our employees' provident fund. I was once told anecdotally, what goes in seldom comes out. Her request to withdraw 70,000 Sing dollars to fund her family's living expenses and treatment for her mentally ill son was rejected. In response to their decision, she wrote a lengthy letter which went viral. What caught my attention was this insightful paragraph. There are three classes of people in society. One, those who can see. Two, those who can see when shown. And three, those who cannot see even when shown. Which class do you belong to? Well, that question, which class do you belong to, is a good question to begin our reflection for today's gospel, the healing of the man born blind. At the beginning of the story, everyone claims to be able to see, except the man born blind. But as the story unfolds, we would soon discover that almost all the characters, with the exception of our Lord, suffers from some blindness or other. In John's Gospel, seeing is synonymous with believing. Our Lord uses physical sight as a metaphor for something of even greater importance, spiritual sight, to see with the eyes of faith. First, we have the disciples of the Lord. They have been the privileged recipients of the mysteries of the kingdom and witnessed firsthand the Lord's miracles. They, like so many others, truly believe that they can see. It is with this presumed sight that they pose what appears to be a clever, theological question with regards to the disability of the man born blind. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, for him to have been born blind? Addressing the Lord as Rabbi is the first evidence of their blindness. The blind man's sight at the end of the gospel is so much more penetrating. The disciples also presume that since the man has suffered such a fate, it must be on account of some sin, either his or that of his parents. It is assumed that people reap what they sow, that bad luck is a result of bad karma. Wicked folks get what is coming to them. Our Lord corrects them. Your assumptions are flawed. He was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The next group are his neighbours and people who knew him as a blind beggar. The sight of the blind man being able to see should have inspired awe at seeing the wonders of God. But instead, what arose was incredulity. Then we have the man's own parents who are summoned as witnesses. They recognise their son and they also recognise the amazing transformation, if not miracle, that has taken place. Their son born blind can now see. 
and yet they refuse to acknowledge this out of fear of being implicated in this escalating controversy. Finally, we have the Jews and the Pharisees who are scandalized by the fact that the Lord had performed a miracle on the Sabbath in violation of their ritual prohibitions. They have heard the testimonies of the blind man, his neighbors and family members, but still refuse to see. They rather believe the biased opinions of Jesus than what their lying eyes are revealing to them. The story culminates in this parting shot of the Lord aimed at the Pharisees. Blind, if you were, you would not be guilty. But since you say we see, your guilt remains. Yes, all these characters claim to be able to see, but can they really? For our Lord, the real question is whether the lack of seeing is voluntary or involuntary. While the blind man couldn't help being blind, the others who could have seen deliberately chose to be blind. Therefore, their guilt remains. At the heart of this fascinating narrative is a simple but powerful contrast. The man who is blind from births, who sees nothing, but encountering the healing saviour, the light of the world, sees clearly. He sees everything. On the other hand, the other characters who all claim to be able to see clearly, but at the end of the story, expose themselves to be truly blind. They deliberately chose not to see. And that is the tragedy. So the only character that finally sees is, ironically, the man born blind. The gift of sight eventually leads him along a journey of discovery, a path that will lead to a deepened faith. It takes a while before he completely comes to believe. Initially, he obeys without understanding. In the beginning, he thinks of Jesus as merely a man among others. Then when he is questioned, he speaks of the Lord as being a prophet, and finally his eyes are opened, and he proclaims him Lord and falls down in worship. From hopeless darkness, he grows into the purest light of faith, entirely through the power of a gift of grace he never asked for, a faith whose logic he follows obediently, a faith that, like a mustard seed, grows in him until it becomes a huge tree. I believe his story resonates with the personal experiences of our elect. The story of the blind man is our story. St. Augustine, commenting on the spiritual sense or meaning of the man's blindness, simply stated, this blind man is the human race. This state of blindness is the original sin which we have inherited from our father Adam, and we continue to remain in the state of blindness whenever we choose to sin. My dear elect, this is what that will happen to you at your baptism. The washing in the waters of baptism will remove the stain of original sin which spiritually blinds you and gives you new sight to see with faith. Today it's good to be reminded by St. Paul that you were in darkness once, but now you are in light. You are the light in the Lord. Be like children of light, for the effects of the light are seen in complete goodness and right living and truth. Being children of light is a journey. This is your journey. This is our journey.
moving in stages to more perfectly know Jesus, to love him and serve him. We admit that our vision remains blurred because of sin. In order that our vision may be restored and made clearer, we need to, be, we need to constantly wash it, not in the pool of Siloam, but in a confessional, receiving the healing grace of reconciliation through the sacrament of penance. We know that as we persevere, one day we will see our Lord face to face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.